You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dan Feldman here. Welcome to Locked On Pistons. You can follow Locked On Pistons on Audio Boom or subscribe on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. You can also follow Duncan Smith on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA. Uh, and that'd probably be a good thing to do because he is the new host of Locked On Pistons. Uh, Duncan is taking over for me. Uh, this is sort of our changing of the guard episode. Uh, Duncan uh, is an editor at Piston Powered. He's an editor at 16 Wins a Ring. Does a very nice job covering the NBA, the Pistons in particular. Uh, I started at, at Piston Powered and you know the, the people who came... To me, to, to have me at Piston Power, they're the same people who, who hired Duncan. And I like to think, uh, I hope that's because you know, we sort of view things in a similar way. I'm sure we won't always agree. We definitely don't always agree. Uh, but we have a similar analytical mindset. So I think if you like Locked on Pistons right now, you're going to continue to like it. If you don't like it, I think there's a good chance you'll like it even more. Uh, I think Duncan's going to do a great job with this. And uh, you know, I, I hope that, that there is some carry over in a little bit of the tone, but I, I do think this is going to be uh, good for the podcast. And, you know, I urge everybody who's listening now to keep listening and, uh, you know, see, see what you think. I think it's going to be very, very good. Uh, and I'm real excited myself to keep listening. Uh, so without further ado, I, I want to hand it over to, to Duncan. And uh, me, me and him, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the Pistons. Uh, and this will sort of be our, our handoff episode. Uh, first off, let me say it's a pleasure to, uh, once again, uh, take on something that you started and put my own spin on it. Um, I, I, I think that Piston Power is doing really well and there would be no Piston Power without, uh, without your efforts. So, uh, once again, I, I, uh, I hope that I can, uh, live up to the legacy that you, <laughs> that you've set out in front of me. So, uh, thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the intro and, uh. We'll do our best over here. <laughs> you, you know, I, I do want to make clear when I say like I hope it has like sort of the same analytical tone. It's I have no doubt it will with you. I hope that like I when I was writing for Piston Power when I was doing Locked On Pistons, like I was conveying things in a way that's the same way as I read you, and that I think everybody reads you. Like again, follow him on Twitter at uh, Duncan Smith NBA because it, it's a really fun follow because he'll he'll show his thoughts, like he'll show his his thought process and lay things out of how he gets to his conclusions. Like it's also founded. Uh, and it just gives you uh, just a solid base, a better understanding. And when you're listening to the show and he says things, uh, you'll understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And I think a lot of, uh, a lot of episodes, a lot of daily episodes are going to be fairly well described as uh, maybe companion pieces of sorts where uh, maybe some more, more in depth, uh, you know, Perhaps stale seeming numbers are broken down in uh, in post form on piston powered. So I, th I think that there'll be uh, sort of a synergy between the pod, the the website, and you know what I do on Twitter, which uh, I think will all fit together pretty well. So, um, but yeah, uh, right off the bat, I would actually really like to get your thoughts on what you think the Pistons are going to be uh, prioritizing in the draft. Um, I've just been digging into my own research these last. Uh, Last week or so, once the Pistons got locked in at 12, I uh, pretty much decided that it was time to stop loafing around on uh, getting my, my draft knowledge up to par. And uh, But I'd like to know uh, where you think that they're going to be leaning um, at this point in time. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm also like right in the midst of my draft prep at that time of year. And I, you know, I don't have a good read on where they'll be leaning. Uh, I do think they should just be looking at the, the best prospect available. I don't really have a, a certain place they should be leaning. I generally think teams should look at the best prospect available always. Uh, and that's something we, we covered a couple podcasts ago in more depth of why I think that. Like when teams go for their needs, and that's where they screw themselves up. So I think whether the Pistons feel that way or not, I just think their roster is pretty balanced uh, to the point that they're going to do that anyway, I hope. Is there somewhere that, that you think they should be targeting with that 12th pick? Uh, I think in general, I, I largely agree with the fact that um, best prospect available is you know a pretty good rule of thumb and then like you said like a team like this with um that you know as far as roster composition is fairly well balanced and spread out it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to specifically prioritize a certain player or player type even or you know position certainly um but you know there are i think a couple of really obvious guys that have caught my eye i think uh I can't get past Donovan Mitchell's wingspan. Um, (laughs) 6'3", I think, in shoes, and the 6'10 wingspan is just uh, gargantuan. And I think that uh, that that could provide some some interesting opportunities defensively. Um, I think, you know, a couple of those bigs who can shoot, um, Markkanen and uh, Mitchell in particular, uh, I don't really expect either of them to still be there at 12 necessarily. Certainly not both of them. Um, but I, I think that this is, if you've got to be stuck, you know, in the, the lower realms of the lottery, like lower as in like a higher number, later stages of the lottery, um, this is not the worst year to do it. I think that the, the Pistons and teams around them are going to be able to come out with some pretty decent NBA players going forward again. You know, like I said, I've, I've been lax on my, my draft prep, but from everything that I'm reading, everything that I'm seeing and uh, my own interpretations of, of what's out there. It seems like this is uh, a pretty decent time to be, um, you know, in the lottery, just shy of, uh, shy of the teens. Basically. Uh, I think that there are some good options and uh, they probably really can't screw this up. Honestly. See, I, I have a much more pessimistic view. I think, uh, there are probably about 10 players like that. I'd be legitimately excited if the Pistons draft. Now that doesn't mean I think all 10 are going to pan out between them. They almost certainly all won't, but 10 players on an individual level, where if they got him, I'd be like, yeah, that's that's either like an exciting, you know, prospect because the, the guy is really good or exciting because I like the guy's potential or, or something. But they're picking 12th. And so I think it's going to take a, a little bit of help for somebody to bump down uh, to where it's a prospect like, yeah, I'm I'm just excited the Pistons have him because I don't think it's a guarantee the Pistons get somebody like that. They might be stuck in, stuck picking. Uh, from that next batch of players. And to me, I put Donovan Mitchell in that next class of players. And I don't know. I don't know if you look at it this way, but for me, every year there's a, there's a player in the draft who may or may not be available in the Pistons pick who I get excited about, who like sort of becomes the guy that I'm rooting that he falls. Now, of course, like I'd love to get Markel Fultz, but like, there's gotta be <laughs> some realism there, right? That, right. that this guy might be there at 12 And I don't know exactly who that's going to be for me this year because it's always tough to read. One, you got to figure out who you like. Two, you got to figure out if there's a chance they might be there. Uh, For a while, I thought it might be Jonathan Isaac, but it seems like everybody's really falling for him. I I think it's looking like it's going to be impossible for him to be there. So I don't want to get too excited about somebody who might go like 
five and slipped to like eight at the lowest or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but one player who I think might be becoming that guy for me is Laurie Markkinen, uh, just how special he is as a shooter. Is there somebody for you who, who you're like, you're like of plausibly could be there, like that you're really rooting will be there and that's who they'll take? It's funny that you mentioned Markkinen because like I would be beyond thrilled if he was still there. I I feel like I feel like it's not especially likely that he will drop, but I agree that he is like the guy that I would love to see drop as far as uh, like realistic. You know, there's no Marco Fultz dropping the Pistons, um, but you know maybe maybe Markkinen might slide. And um, when I was do when I when I was doing some uh, some of my initial draft draft work the day after the lottery, I believe um, I was I was kind of astonished at some of the <laughs> some of the shooting production that he's put forth. Um, and you know the Pistons could use a guy like him that can shoot, spread the floor, um, who can be impactful like that. He would definitely be the guy I would love to see drop from you know maybe the eight, nine, ten range down to twelve. The, what concerns me a little bit about Markkinen, and not nearly enough like that I'd pass on him, but like, you know, I'm sure he can play with Andre Drummond, but I don't know exactly where the Pistons' future is going in, with their bigs. Can he play with Henry Ellenson? Like, that's, that's a weird, especially defensively, uh, and that gives me a little pause, not nearly enough to pass on him, but that's like the type of tricky thing that somebody like Markkinen and Ellenson is going to bring no matter how you pair those guys. Yeah, that's a concern that I was actually having as well. Um, they're the youth at, at that position. I mean, um, NBA big men are gonna, from a, a size and strength, and from a skill and craft perspective, uh, NBA big men are gonna be able to have their way with either of them. And if they have to play minutes together, uh, that's going to be a real challenge for the Pistons to be able to play any kind of reasonable defense. I think. Um, I, off the top of my head, I don't recall um, what kind of rebounding numbers Markkinen was putting it's up. Okay. I, I, yeah, that's what I, that's kind of the general impression I was recalling. Um, but yeah, I I think that that's a pretty decent sized concern. Um, I mean, like you said, it's not enough to be willing to pass on him. Um, I think you still just you know, throw your hands up in joy and say, all right, done. <laughs> we, we got the guy um, who we're going to be pretty happy with at 12. Um, but yeah, there is, there's definitely a, a hint and a feeling of concern um, because, you know, if, if Ellenson is supposedly going to be hopefully taking a, a step forward this season and Markinen is always cracked up to be, you've got to figure that there are going to be some minutes for the two of them on the floor together. And uh, the hope is for that to not be a problem, but it's probably going to be a problem, especially in the early stages. But, um, but, but probably for so, the entirety of the season. But wouldn't it be so fun and weird to see what they can do together offensively? I'd love it. <laughs> you know, um, especially if this is, if this was to be a season where things don't really come together and the Pistons have to, you know, say they're, six games below 500 at the new year. Um, the Pistons will probably cash in some chips and start making some moves to, uh, to rebuild, I would assume. And so that could be a time to see um, some real, some real interesting things on the floor with, uh, with a lineup, with lineups featuring Markkinen and Ellenson side by side. 
it'd be interesting. Um, I think it needs some bad things for that to happen uh, on the regular on a regular basis, but it would be really interesting. I have to say. Uh, so, how did the Pistons get from here to not being a handful of games under five hundred at New Year's? Like, what what do you see for them the rest of the summer beyond the draft? Well, I think free agency is going to be uh, it's, it's there's no money to spend basically. Uh, they're they're very hampered. I think um, the re-signing of KCP, which I think is pretty much. Uh, Maybe not a lock, but about as close to it as it gets. Um, that's not going to leave really any money to spend. I think it leaves them with uh, the mini mid level, the mini mid level exception, and um, you know, not not a whole lot of other options. Uh, I, Aaron Baines has still not opted out or expressed any kind of intention yet. Um, to, to the most recent that I've that I've heard actually have been away the last few days. So I'm yeah, just no, getting caught up. But, no, uh, nothing new other than like before the seasons, Dan Van Gundy basically announced for him that he'd opt out. Yeah. And I think the only thing he's really said is that he's got unfinished business here. So it's, uh, it would be interesting if he decides to opt in. Um, I think that that would probably signal the end of Boban time. Um, I think that, Shipping. Well, do you do you think that like they'd probably get rid of one, uh, but but do you think they'd trade Boban rather than Baines? You know, I I feel like they would if only because Van Gundy seemed so married to giving him to giving Baines those minutes all season last year. Um, I feel like he I feel like Van Gundy trusts Baines a whole lot more than he trusts Boban. Yeah. Um, I think I think from that point that standpoint alone, I think that if he's got a if he's got to go with one backup big, he'd probably pick Baines and just see what he can get for Boban um, in the trade market. Uh, hopefully, in some sort of cap relief. Although um, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of cap relief to be found from from Boban's contract exiting, um, considering the Pistons' salary situation um, being so close to the. Uh, to the luxury tax. I haven't looked at exactly how Boban getting moved and Baines opting in would affect things because I think until um, recently, I at least had really not considered Boban, uh, pardon me, considered Baines sticking around to be uh, all that likely. But I've been thinking about it more and more lately as, uh, as a real possibility. Um, what do you think? Do you think, uh, what do you think might be the, the future as far as the, the center backup center situation. I think Baines is going to opt out. Uh, I was never like so confident. It sort of almost seemed like Van Gundy was like trying to tell him, oh man, it stinks we're losing Aaron Baines. He's going to go get paid so much money, so much more than we can pay him. And like, I think he was maybe trying to push him out. Uh, the obvious converse to that is, like you said, how he used Baines, how much he trusted Baines, and maybe just Van Gundy really believes Baines is that valued around the league. I'm not sure that's the case, but I, but I could see that Van Gundy believes it to be the case. I, I think most likely, though, Baines opts out uh, because even if he can't quite get that $6.5 million, although there's a decent chance he can, uh, he'd get some long-term security somewhere else. The Pistons aren't true. Uh, trying to keep him around for longer as much as they like him. So I think it'll be Boban. What, what I'm curious about is even if Baines opts out, 
there's still some tight financial constraints. And uh, at one point, I sort of thought John Lure would be moved, that he was just a luxury the Pistons couldn't afford, uh, that he was going to keep them over the tax. And that was sort of their path under was moving him. But he finished so poorly uh, last season that I'm not sure where his trade value is. Like, it, it was looking pretty good for for a while, and now he's still got these three years left. Uh, he just fell apart late last season. I don't know if you can trade him for what maybe they would have been hoping for. And now you're up against the luxury tax. Like, I don't know exactly how they how they duck under that. Yeah, that's a real problem. Like, just about everybody just fell apart so badly at the end of the season. It you know, there's not a whole lot of trade value for anybody. I mean, you could probably move Stanley Johnson for something, you know, uh, yeah. And that seems like probably the ceiling. Um, yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, like you said, lure closer to the trade deadline could have maybe fetched something. Um, but now not so much. Um, my worry is they dump Marcus Morris. Who's on such a team friendly contract. Yeah. You know, he's, as far as like value on the floor per dollar spent, um, you know, whether you love Marcus Morris or you are indifferent to him, like it's hard to find better value than his $5 million that he's making right now. Um, you know, and that makes him pretty invaluable to this team that is basically overpaying for pretty much 100% of its roster. Um, I don't know. They're overpaying for Tobias, Tobias Harris. and, And that's another player who could be moved, but, but he's so young. like, I don't want to get rid of him. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I've, I've been pondering, you know, moves that might make sense, but like, what exactly are you getting back that is going to be um, more appealing to what the Pistons are trying to do? Um, it, it, it just, I just can't really find a deal that makes any sense for the Pistons <laughs> with with Tobias Harris going out. And I have tried, you know, I've, I'll, I've I'll take it one step further. I can't hmm. really find a, a deal that makes sense for any key player going out. Uh, like that's yeah. uh, when people ask me, like, "Well, what are the Pistons going to do? How are they going to fix this?" I don't think they're going to do anything. I think they're just going to bring it, bring it back, and hope Reggie Jackson is healthier and that that fixes everything. Because I just don't think they'll have the stomach to trade so low on all their players with everybody's trade value shot. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at too. Um, like, you can't move any of these guys. Like, nobody really wants nobody's willing to give up like much of anything for really with the exception of maybe Tobias. And I think that there's still enough respect for KCP. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the restricted free agency market is going to prove that, um, coming up pretty soon. Um, you know, he could off the top of my head in his current status, um, as a pending restricted free agent, I don't recall exactly the, the, machinations that would be required to move him but i mean there could um, be a sign in trade um, yeah that's that's what it, were, it would require um but you know beyond beyond those two guys and maybe stanley johnson i don't really see a whole lot of a whole lot of opportunity to make moves that make the pistons better um do, do you want do you want to close with the big elephant in the room we should go ahead andre drummond <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Um, I I did his uh, for Piston Powered. I did his grade and season review, and uh, it, you know, it, for all the good, there's like an equal amount of bad. You know, like he he improved in some very important 
respects. Um, you know, he he was better on the basket. He was his field goal percentage went up. His um, you know his efficiency in a lot of ways went up. But you know that free throw that free throw shooting is it's not a, it's not this like funny quirk that he features anymore. Like it's uh, it's something that a, a team that it fancies itself to be an NBA contender or hopes to be a contender for the Eastern Conference. You can't have Andre Drummond shooting 38% from the free throw line and be a contender in the Eastern Conference. It's just impossible. Like it's such an exploitable weakness. Um, you know, it's great that he rebounds better than anybody in the NBA, but that is such a flaw and it's such an exploitable flaw that it's uh, it's a real problem. See, I'm, I'm a little bit of a different camp. Like it's obviously a problem. I can't talk it out of that, but I don't think it's something. Uh, that the Pistons could not overcome. Like, it's a challenge, but to me, it's just a flaw. Players have flaws. His is just so noticeable because the game stops to highlight his flaw. Uh, and, yeah, it's something teams can take advantage of, but it, it's, you know, something teams can take advantage of in the same way other players all around the league have flaws. Yeah, there are flaws everywhere. Like you said, it's it's glaring. Um, Fortunately, you know, he's not getting sent to the line like nine, ten, nine times a game. But uh, that's the worry is that the Pistons got good enough for teams to take them seriously. That would yeah. be the response. That would be the, you know, the first most logical response. And then he becomes unplayable when, it, when other teams decide that they don't want under Drummond on the floor. And that's that's a pretty, pretty sizable obstacle to have to overcome. It, you know, so. dr- to me, Drummond fits into the, the same boat uh, as all these other players that, yeah, maybe Stan Van Gundy would want to trade him, but you start calling around the league, his value is not going to be nearly as high as you'd want. And so you think you're probably better off keeping him another year trying to, to rehab his value. But Drummond comes with the added complication of having a close relationship with the owner. Uh, so it might not just be on Van Gundy to be able to trade him like Van Gundy could trade probably, I would think, anybody else. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, the relationship there is perhaps maybe a little bit problematic for uh, for the organization, especially as it comes to any kind of um, potential rebuild or you know the organization finding some way to put their foot down and insist that uh, Drummond do some uncomfortable things when it comes to fixing those free throws. Underhand. <laughs> that would be the one. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so you know, I think that there's a uh, built-in obstacle in the form of the owner um, that might make that a bit of a challenge to enforce, and uh, that's a problem. That's a problem. So, uh, we'll want to call out there? Sure. All right. Well, you can follow him at Dan Feldman NBA. You can follow me at Duncan Smith NBA. Uh, go ahead and give Piston Power to follow as well at Piston Power. Um, I'll be your, your new host going forward on Locked On Pistons. I hope to catch you guys on a daily basis. And uh, thanks for listening. Hi, this is David Locke, founder of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for tuning in to your favorite Locked On Podcast. We have something really special going on here. We are the only daily local podcast format in the country. And we are one of the only places for local companies to be able to f- advertise on a podcast serving the fans 
the listeners that want your product locally. No other podcast network does this for you. And that's why we want you to advertise right here on your favorite Locked On podcast. Our audience is 98% male. It's about 77% between the ages of 25 and 54, and also 77% between 18 and 44. So you're hitting the core demographic. If your company wants men 25 to 54 or 18 to 44, then you should advertise right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'd love to have you. Our rates are reasonable. It's all based on the amount of listens. So you can email me, David Locke, at dlock 9 at gmail.com or contact your host. We'd love to have you aboard, joining in with the great success that we're having on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.